Act Five of The Princess of Ellis by Molière, translated by Henri van Laun, eighteen twenty to eighteen ninety six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fifth Interlude. Scene One: The Princess Alone. Oh, you admirable ones! who by your sweet songs can calm the greatest uneasiness, draw near, I pray you, and try to soothe with your music the sorrow which I feel. Scene 2. The Princess, Clemen, Phyllis. Clemen and Phyllis sing this duet. Tell me, dear Phyllis, what think you of love? Tell me, what think you, my dear trusty friend? They say its flame is worse than vultures gnawing, and that great pangs are suffered when one loves. They say no fairer passion ever existed, and that we live not if we do not love. Which of us two shall be victorious here? Must we believe love to be good or ill? Let's love, and, and then, then we'll, we'll know what we, we ought to believe. Cloris praises love and its flames everywhere. For its sake, Amaranth sheds always tears. If it fills every heart with so much pain, whence comes it that we like to yield to it? If, Phyllis, its flame is so full of charms, why forbid us its pleasures to enjoy? Which of us two shall be victorious here? Must we believe love to be good or ill? Let's love, and, and then, then we'll, we'll know what, what we, we ought, ought to believe. believe. Princess, interrupting them here, says, Finish alone, if you like. I cannot remain addressed, and however agreeable your songs are, they do but redouble my uneasiness. Act Five, Argument The heart of the Prince of Messina was agitated by various feelings, the joy which the Prince of Ithaca had caused by maliciously informing him that he was beloved by the Princess had compelled him to go to her, with a want of consideration which nothing but extreme love could excuse. But he was received in a manner very different from what he hoped for. She asked him who had told him the news, and when she knew that it was the Prince of Ithaca, that knowledge cruelly increased her disease, and made her nearly beside herself, she replied, He is thoughtless. This so confounded the Prince of Messina that he departed without being able to answer. On the other hand, the princess went to the king, her father, who came with the Prince of Ithaca, and told the latter not only how delighted he should be to see him allied to him, but even the opinion he entertained that his daughter did not hate him. No sooner was the princess in her father's presence than, Casting herself at his feet, she asked him, as the greatest favour she could ever receive, that the Prince of Ithaca might not marry the Princess Aglanta. This he solemnly promised her, but he told her that if she did not wish him to belong to another, she should take him herself. She answered that the Prince did not desire it, but in such a passionate manner that it was easy to see the sentiments of her heart. Then the prince, abandoning all disguise, avowed his love for her, and the stratagem which, knowing her disposition, he had made use of, in order to attain the object he had now reached. The princess, giving him her hand, 
the king turned towards the two princes of Messina and Pylos and asked them if his two relatives, whose merit was equal to their rank, were incapable of consoling them in their disgrace. They answered that, the honour of his alliance being all they wished for, they could not expect a happier lot. This occasioned so great a joy in the court that it spread over the whole neighbourhood. Scene 1. Iphitas, Euryalus, Aglanta, Cynthia, Moron. Moron to Iphitas. Yes, my lord, it is no jest. I am what they call in disgrace. I was forced to pack up my traps as quickly as I could. You never saw anyone more suddenly in a passion than she was. Iphitas to Euryalus. Ah, prince, how grateful I ought to be for your amorous stratagem, if it has found the secret of touching her heart. Whatever, my lord, you may have been told I dare not for my part yet flatter myself with that sweet hope. But if it is not too presumptuous in me to aspire to the honor of your alliance, if my person and dominions... Prince, let us not enter upon these compliments. I find in you all that a father could desire, and if you have gained the heart of my daughter, you want nothing more. Scene 2. The Princess, Iphitas, Euryalus, Aglanta, Cynthia, Moron. Oh, heaven! What do I see here? Iphitas to Euryalus. Yes, the honour of your alliance is of the highest value to me, and without any further difficulty I consent to your request. Princess to Iphitas. My lord, I throw myself at your feet to beg a favour of you. You have always shown great tenderness to me. I owe you much more for your kindness than for my birth. But if ever you had any affection for me, I now ask the greatest proof of it which you can show. My lord, do not listen to that prince's request, and do not permit the princess Aglanta to marry him. And why, daughter? Would you oppose that union? Because I hate the prince, and will, if I can, cross his designs. You hate him, daughter? Yes, from my heart I confess it. And what has he done to you? He has despised me. And how? He did not consider me handsome enough to pay his addresses to me. What offence does that give you? You will accept no one's hand. No matter. He ought to have loved me like the rest, and at least have left me the glory of refusing him. His love for Aglanta is an insult to me. He disgraces me when, in my presence and in the midst of your court, he has sought the hand of any other but me. But what interest can you have in him? My lord, I wish to revenge myself for his disdain, and as I know he is very much in love with Aglanta, with your permission I shall prevent him from being happy with her. Then you take this to heart? Without doubt, my lord, and if he obtains his desires I shall die before your eyes. Come, come, daughter, make a frank confession. 
this prince's merit has made you open your eyes and in short you love him say what you will i my lord yes you love him i love him say you do you impute such baseness to me oh heavens how great is my misfortune can i hear these words and live and must i be so unhappy as to be suspected of loving him oh if it were any one but you my lord who spoke thus to me i know not what i should do well well you do not love him you hate him i grant and i am resolved to content you so that he shall not wed the princess aglanta oh my lord you give me life but to prevent his ever being hers you must take him for yourself you are joking my lord and that is not what he desires pardon me madam i am rash enough to aspire so high and i take to witness the prince your father if it was not your hand i asked of him i have deceived you too long i must throw off the mask and though you use it against me discover to your eyes the real sentiments of my heart i have never loved anyone but you and never shall i love any other it is you madam who took from me that want of feeling which i always affected all i said to you was only a feint which i adopted inspired by some secret motive which i did not follow up without doing the greatest violence to my feelings it must soon have ceased no doubt and i am only astonished that it lasted for half a day for i was dying my soul was burning within me when i disguised my sentiments to you never did a heart suffer a constraint equal to mine if this faint madam has given you offence i am ready to die to avenge you you have only to speak and my hand will immediately glory in executing the decree you pronounce no no prince i do not take it ill that you have deceived me and would rather that all you have said to me were a faint than not the truth so that you accept the prince for a husband my daughter my lord i do not yet know what i shall do pray give me time to think of it and spare a little the confusion i am in prince you may guess the meaning of this and you can now see what you may expect i shall wait as long as you please madam for this decree of my destiny and if it condemns me to death i shall obey without murmuring come moron this is a day of peace and i restore you to favour with the princess my lord i shall be a better courtier for the future and shall take very good care not to say what i think scene three aristomenes theocles iphitas the princess aglanta cynthia moron iphitas to the princes of messina and pylos i am afraid princes that my daughter's choice is not in your favour 
but there are two princesses who may console you for this trifling misfortune my lord we have made up our minds and if these amiable princesses have not too great contempt for hearts which have been repulsed we may through them attain to the honour of your alliance scene the last iphitas the princess aglanta cynthia phyllis euryalus aristomenes theocles moron phyllis to iphitas my lord the goddess venus has proclaimed everywhere the change in the princess's heart all the shepherds and two shepherdesses testify their joy for it by dances and songs and if it is not a spectacle which you despise you may see the public rejoicings extend as far as this sixth interlude a chorus of shepherds and shepherdesses who dance four shepherds and two shepherdesses dressed in heroic style and holding each other's hands sing this song to which the rest answer proud fair employ in better way the power of charming all love, love darling rustic maidens our hearts are made to love however much we e'er may try one day comes when we love naught does exist but yet it yields to these sweet charms of love in pristine youth o oh, follow the ardent love's delight a heart only begins to live the day it knows to love however much we e'er may try one day comes when we love end of acts five and six end of princess of alice by moliere translated by henri van laun